Amen. Colossians 4. This morning we're talking about finishing strong. There were two best friends out in the northwest. They were hiking. And as they were hiking along, one of the friends let out a scream because he saw a grizzly bear. And the other friend reached in his backpack real quick and got his running shoes out and started putting them on. And the other friend said, don't you know you can never outrun a grizzly bear? And his friend said, well, I don't have to outrun the grizzly bear. I just have to outrun you. And as you and I think about life finishing strong, God's not called us to run ahead of one another, outrun each other. In fact, he's called us to run with one another. And as you and I think about the Christian life, who are you running with and do you desire to finish strong? Here's an hourglass. I'm going I'm to turn it over because it's a 30-minute hourglass, so you'll be able to see how well I do on the sermon time. But as you think about that, time is slipping away for every single one of us. Time seems to move faster and faster the older we get in life. And as you and I think about life, again, I want to ask you, do you desire to finish strong? One of the things I've noticed in pastoral ministry over the years is that when you're around someone who is near death, life has a way of changing. I've been around a number of deathbeds, and here's what you'll find. Those individuals get honest about life. Uh, there's no faking it anymore. There's no pretending. Uh, there's no protecting an image of any kind. It just gets raw and it gets real when you get to that stage in life. And let me ask you again, do you desire to finish strong in life? Well, as I think about that, let me give you some biblical illustrations that we'll see. One is the life of Caleb. In Joshua chapter 14, we read the story of Caleb. He was 40 years old. God sent him out as spies at this stage in his life. In Joshua 14, he's 85 years of age. And Caleb just says, I'm, this day I'm 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as it was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now as my strength was then. And then he says, may be the Lord that he will be with me and that I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. At 85 years old, he still wanted to serve the Lord faithfully. Let me ask you, whatever age you are, do you desire to serve Jesus faithfully? Let me give you another example of the life of David. David, we know, was a man after God's own heart. David had a great beginning. As we know about David's life, there was a period in his life that he crashed. He, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't going well in life. Committed a sin, tried to cover it up. His sin found him out. And here David is in Psalm 51. He's crying out to God, confessing his sin. And here's what he ultimately asked God. He said in Psalm 51, verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I would treat, teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. I believe in that prayer. David is saying this, God, you gave me a great beginning. I have crashed somewhere here in the middle. But God, will you restore to me the joy of your salvation because I want to finish life strong. There very well may be somebody listening to my voice this morning in this message. You had a great beginning. But in this season of life, it's not going so well. And in this season of life, to use football terminology, you fumble the ball. You missed a tackle. You threw an interception. It's possible you're even running the wrong way on the field. 
Well, I've got great news. You may have had a great beginning, but you've stumbled here in the middle. The good news is the game is not over. The good news, there's still time on the clock. You can still have a strong finish in life if you'll come back to him. You can still finish well. And then we find the life of the Apostle Paul. Again, he's in prison in Colossae writing this. But we find over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, almost at the very end of his physical life, Many scholars believe he was beheaded by Nero, the very one who had been trying to take his life. Paul is moments away from losing his physical life. He talks about these people saying, come to me soon. He makes this great declaration. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. The apostle Paul lived well. He served well. He's finishing well. And then he gets into talking about these individuals, Demas being one of them. And then he talks about Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. Then the focus is always on the Lord for him. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. And then Paul goes on, sharing his heart, sharing his life. Again, when you're near death, everything gets raw and real. And so Paul comes back and he says, At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul writing the last letter of his life, moments away from losing his physical life. And he's talking about these people who've left him, all these people deserted him, these individuals who opposed his message, did him great harm. And what was his heart? What was his spirit like at the end of his physical life? Here's what Paul said. He said this, May it not be charged against them. When I studied that this week, my heart almost exploded. And here's why. Here Paul is at the near end of his physical life. Moments away from being in heaven with the Lord. And he said, Lord, all these people have done me great harm. They've deserted me. Uh, They've opposed our message. But Lord, don't let them be charged against them. He did not want to enter heaven with an unforgiving spirit in his life. And I want to challenge you today as you think about finishing well. I want to challenge you, make sure that if you've got issues with people or situations, make sure you settle that account while you can. Don't enter the glories of heaven with an unforgiving spirit. Get it right with him so you can enter glory praising and adoring Almighty God. But here we look and we find Caleb going strong. Here we find David started well, stumbled in the middle, but here he is desiring to finish strong. Then here the Apostle Paul, saved on the road to Damascus, called into ministry, served Jesus faithfully. And here he is at the end of his life, saying what the Lord's going to be with him. He knows that he is finishing strong in his life as well. What about you and me? Do you desire to finish strong? You said, let me give you just a little warning here as well. For all of us in this room, finishing strong is hard. It's not easy. It's a tough assignment to do. Great beginning, wonderful middle, but finish strong. It's tough to do. Here's what I would encourage. If you want to finish strong in life, you can't focus on the finish line. Because if you're going to finish strong in life, you say, well, why can't you focus on the finish line? None of us know where the finish line is. I mean, the finish line may be years down the road for some of us. The finish line could be tomorrow for some of us in this room. We don't know that. My friend and brother in Christ, Brother Larry Mulberry, he sat over here on Wednesday night shouting hallelujah and amen. 
I got a phone call this morning that he went home to be with Jesus in his sleep this morning. The hourglass, time passes by, slips by fast. You don't know where the finish line is at. So if you're going to finish strong in life, here's the challenge I give you. Make sure if you're going to finish strong, fix your eyes on Jesus. And then he'll guide you to the finish line, but fix your eyes on him. And when you fix your eyes on him, his desire for every single one of us is to know him personally, but also serve him. And so when I think about kids and students and adults, are you serving the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? Research says this, that less than 30% of church members actually serve Jesus in the fellowship of the church. Folks, that's heartbreaking. The less than 30% of people who name the name of Christ, members of a church, actually serve Jesus in the fellowship of the church. And then in a nation, we have literally hundreds of thousands of pastors. And you understand the lives of pastors and their perspective on ministry. Read some research the other day about all these pastors and said this, that 40% of them desire to leave the pastorate if at all possible. One of my great passions in life, God gave me a great beginning in ministry. And God has done things in Angie and our lives that we could never have comprehended. But we also want to come to the finish line, keeping our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and finishing strong. That is our desire. That's our passion. Don't want to stumble along the way. Want to finish strong and finish well. And we come to this last message in Colossians 4. I've really enjoyed preaching through the book of Colossians, thinking about growing up. Now, some people would say, what in the world are you going to do with these last verses? From, from verse 7 on down to verse 18. Well, I believe the Lord's got a word for us. And so I encourage you to look at your outline. Let's walk through this together. Look at number one, follow God's leadership. As you and I think about Paul again writing to these believers in Colossae, he's given them really two principles here I want you to see. He's one, he's just saying God has raised up these individuals, ordinary individuals, to serve him. And they heard his call and they've been obedient to him. And Paul is going to say for the most part these individuals have been faithful in serving. Some have stumbled along the way, but for the most part, they serve faithfully. They took their ministry assignment seriously. And so Paul's going to give us some insight about you follow God's leadership. Look at number one, God continues to call people. As you and I think about Colossians 4, God is calling these individuals. He's still calling individuals today, calling individuals in this room, calling individuals who are watching online. God is calling people. Now, what's he calling them to do? Who is he calling them to be? So I've given you some words. One is salvation. God is still calling people to be saved. And so I challenge you, I appeal to you today, I've been praying for you that if you're in this room and you're watching and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I appeal to you that you would turn from your sin, surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, let him save you, not because of what you've done, but because of the blood of Christ and his cross. Let him change your life. He's calling people to be saved. And so I just plead with you today, if you don't know Christ, run down this aisle, give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him save you and redeem you today. Second, he's calling people to be discipleship. 
His discipleship is a learner and follower of Christ. He's calling us to grow up in our Christian life. He's calling us to learn and follow him. Discipleship is not easy. Just read the gospel of Luke chapter 14. You'll see that if you're going to be his disciple, it will literally cost you everything of your life. But he's calling us to be disciples. Discipleship isn't optional in the Christian life. He's calling us to surrender everything, pick up our crosses daily, come and follow him. So he's calling us to be saved. He's calling us to discipleship. Third, holy living. He's calling us to holiness. That's not some weird lifestyle somewhat. It's obedience to him. What did God say? You be holy because I'm holy. So he's calling you and me to holy living, meaning we're to be separate. We're to live different from the world. He's calling us to holiness. Here's what's going to happen. When you live a holy life in the sight of God, it influences your relationship with him and it affects your relationship with other people around you. And then the fourth word is ministry. He's calling us to ministry. He's calling us to serve. Why did he save you and me? Why did he gift us by the Holy Spirit? Why did he leave us on this earth? He did so so that you and I would serve him. And so please understand, God continues to call people. Number two, God continues to mold people. I could give you some biblical examples. For example, Jeremiah 18. Uh, Jeremiah's down at the potter's house, and what does he see? That God is a potter and we are the clay, and he's molding that clay to be exactly what God desires. The good news is your life is in the hands of the potter. That's God. He's fashioning you, molding you to be the individual he wants you to be. Paul writing again to the believers in Ephesus in chapter 2, verse 10, he makes this statement, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What does that mean? That means workmanship. You are his masterpiece. He's the potter, we're the clay, we're his masterpiece. He saved us so that we would serve him. So God continues to mold people. Please understand, ministry isn't simply preaching a sermon, singing a song, or living overseas on the mission field. Ministry is about serving Jesus and serving other people wherever he has you in life. He wants you to serve him. Ministry in the burden, ministry is a blessing. Count it joy that we get to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in life. So God continues to mold the people. Number three, God continues to gift people. As you and I think about who God is, he gifts you and me. When you and I were saved, the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of you and me. And because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, he has gifted you and me, gifted us so that we would serve him. But here's the big question. Why are many people not serving him? That they're very good at saying, God could never use me. And they give these reasons why. They start giving excuses. Well, I'm too young. I'm too old. Don't have enough education. Don't have enough experience. I've wrecked my life in many ways. God could never use me. Here's why. And then many people are just unaware of what it means for the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you. When the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and me as believers, we don't do ministry on our own strength. We do that in the power of Almighty God. Now, when I thought about being called into ministry many, many years ago, I didn't run from God's call in ministry, but I will tell you what I did experience. I was overwhelmed that the God of the universe, almighty God who created life and has given me life, that he would call me. Of all the people in the world, God, why me? I was overwhelmed with that. 
And then ultimately just confession. God, I can never do this on my own, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, God, I want to serve you all the days of my life. And so he continues to gift people. I find people in life, they're doing everything they can to find happiness in life. And here's what I've been able to see. They feel like if they can have this pleasure, they're going to be happy. Well, they have that pleasure and they're still miserable. I find people who say, if I can just get all these possessions and they get all these possessions feeling like they're going to be happy, they've got them and they're still miserable. I see people who said, if I can just climb the ladder of success, I get this position, my own parking space, the corner office, then I'm going to be happy. They get all that stuff and they're still miserable. You say, well, how do I find happiness? You find happiness by discovering God's purpose and his will for your life. And then you surrender your life to doing it. That's happiness. That's joy right there. And so I just challenge every one of us today, don't come to the end of your life with regrets and disappointments. Follow God's leadership. I've met many people, again, on their deathbeds coming, and here's what they say, if only. And you say, brother, sister, what do you mean by that? And moments away from breathing their last physical breath, many people say, if only I'd have spent more time with my family. If only I'd have served the Lord Jesus more in the days that he gave me. If only I'd have taken better physical care of myself in life. If only, if only, if only. Don't come to that place in your life with regrets. Finish strong. If you're going to finish strong, follow God's leadership. Why? Time is passing. It's slipping by. Number two, value ministry partners. As I look at Colossians chapter 4, I think about all these names, many hard names. How do you pronounce them? How do you say them? But one of the things I appreciate about the life of the Apostle Paul, he never sought to do ministry alone. When he saved him on the road to Damascus and changed his life, Paul always had people around him. He was discipling, mentoring, challenging other people to serve. He never did ministry alone. And so we come to the end of Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. We get all these names because they were significant in Paul's life and Paul's ministry. So if we're going to finish well, we need to follow God's leadership, but we need to value ministry partners. Let me give you these nine statements I want you to write down. Number one, develop servant leaders. Let me give you these names. Tychicus. He will tell you all about my activities. He was a messenger boy for Paul. You got to realize Paul's in prison. He's not at a beachside resort somewhere. He's in prison. He says, Tychicus, he's going to tell you all about my activities. He's a messenger boy for me. And then he comes along and he talks about Aristarchus. He says, Aristarchus, he's my fellow prisoner. He greets you. He's in prison with me. So Tychicus, he's going to tell you about me, Aristarchus. He's in prison with me. And then he comes down to this guy named Jesus who's called Justice. We don't know a lot about him. But these individuals were servant leaders because they helped the Apostle Paul. They took his writings from prison and put them in the hands of people. Folks, you need servant leaders in your life. And so Paul was not trying to do ministry on his own. He had developed servant leaders to say, the ministry is growing, the needs are growing, I need people around me. He developed these individuals, Tychicus, Aristarchus, even Justice. He developed these individuals to say, serve Jesus with me. 
If you and I are going to finish strong in life, we need to develop servant leaders. Why? The ministry is growing. We cannot do all the ministry on our own. We need other people who are called of God around us. And if we're going to finish well, we can't keep going on saying, we're going to hinder the ministry if we try to do it all. You can't do four, five, six jobs in the church for a long period of time. You'll wear yourself out. And so if we're going to finish strong in life and in the Christian life, we need to develop servant leaders. Number two, reach lost people. As you look at this text, you think about reaching lost people. He gives us here an introduction to somebody by the name of Onesimus. If you go back and study his life, he was a runaway slave from Philemon. We see that in the the book of Philemon, only one chapter. He was a runaway slave. What happened in Onesimus' life? He fled from Philemon, and and the penalty for a runaway slave was what? It was death. So Onesimus should have died because he ran away from Philemon. But here's the love of God. Nobody loves me, God, like you do. Onesimus, this runaway slave, runs away from Philemon, and guess what God does? God orchestrates his life to put him in the pathway of the apostle Paul. And when you got in the pathway of the Apostle Paul, guess what was going to happen? You were going to hear about the Lord Jesus in life. You can rest assured of that. I mean, he's not going to talk about sports. He's not going to talk about the weather. He's not going to talk about the stock market. He's going to talk about the Lord Jesus, what Jesus did in his life, and what he'll do in your life. And so the grace of God, Almighty God, put Onesimus around Paul. Paul shares the gospel. Onesimus listens. And then Onesimus surrendered his life and gives his life to Jesus Christ. Only God could have done that. And then what does Paul say about Onesimus? He didn't say he's a runaway slave. He said, well, he's a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. He's not a slave anymore. He's a brother. He's a faithful brother. And so Paul had this heart. If he was going to finish strong, then he needed to reach lost people. The same is true. Do you have a brokenness for people who need Jesus in life? Are you passionate about the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood for you and me? And whom are you sharing Jesus with in your life? Here's what I would encourage us. If we're going to finish strong, see lost people. Understand that if that person who's lost outside of Christ, if he or she breathed her last breath today, would spend eternity separated from Christ in hell. Also be willing to share the gospel. Get trained. Do whatever you need to do to communicate the gospel. Turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations. Also build bridges with people. Meet needs so you're in a position to share Christ. And then pray for people. Who are you praying for by name today who needs a relationship with Jesus? Why? Time is slipping by. If you and I are going to finish well, then we need to reach lost people. Number three, handle painful disappointments. Paul here in Colossians 4 gives us the name of Mark. John Mark. It's not our John Mark. I love our John Mark. Praise God I get to serve the Lord with him. But it's John Mark. If you understand painful disappointments, can you imagine the heart of the Apostle Paul? John Mark and him one time were partners in ministry. They had a disagreement. John Mark left Paul. And for a season here, what happened? They were serving together, had a disagreement. John Mark leaves, and then ultimately we're going to see Mark's going to come back and he's going to be useful. They reconcile their relationship. But can you imagine at that stage in his life how disappointing that was for for Paul that John Mark walked away? 
had to be disappointing. But, but the good news of that is this, that, listen, if you started well, but you've stumbled somewhere in the middle, the good news today is that our God is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances in life. You can still finish strong. It's not over again, as I said earlier. There's still time on the clock. The game is not over. You can go the right way as God wants you to. But some of you are going to finish strong in life, even those of us who serve in ministry. You're going to have to handle some painful disappointments. Some people would disappoint you, but finish strong. Why? You have your eyes on Jesus. Number four, enlist prayer warriors. You're going to have to have some people around you who are going to pray for you and with you. Look here in verse 12, Epaphras, who was one of you. What do we know about Epaphras? He was the founding pastor of the church in Colossae. What does Paul say about him? He's a servant of Christ Jesus. Folks, anybody who's declared a servant of Christ Jesus, I like them to be around my life when they're servants of Christ. He says, a servant of Christ, he greets you. He's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. He is a praying man. That's his ministry. It's prayer. And what is he praying? He's praying that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So Epaphras is praying to you again that you're going to know, you're going to know the will of God, you're going to be mature, and you're going to follow God's will all the days of your life. He's praying. But then Paul says this, I have testified, witness it myself, he has worked hard for you. I promise you this, laziness will not lead you to finish strong in life and ministry. Ministry is hard work. And so if you're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ well and you're going to finish well, be ready for hard work in ministry. It comes with the territory. But he was a prayer warrior. I think about people in my life who have prayed for us and sought God's direction for us. I thank God for people who have been prayer warriors in our lives. I'll never, never get over when, when I was doing my doctoral work. And was at the point of finishing as my day of my doctoral defense. People who prayed for me that day, two to three hours long, you're sitting with a group of people and they're just asking you questions and drilling you and drilling you and drilling you about the work that you have written. And so when I was in New Orleans, I was sitting before this group, they're asking all these questions. And so finally, there's a point in that process when they've asked all the questions, somebody comes in the room and they escort you out of the room, takes you to another holding room. So you're there what feels like for eternity. You think Jesus is coming back any moment. And then you say, Lord Jesus, don't come back until this thing is finished, by the way. And so you're waiting and then because they're deliberating, are we going to pass him or not? And so finally, there's a knock at the door and the person who took you over to that room is back to say, it's time to come back into the room again. And in theological worlds at New Orleans, when you, when the door opens and you go back into that committee of professors again, if they are seated, here's what happened. You didn't make it. You got more work to do. But when the door is open and if they're standing, it means it is finished. You are done. And so I'm sitting in that room, crying out to God, praying everything I know to pray. And then all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. And the person says, the committee is ready to see you again. And I remember when I got to that door and he opened that door and I saw those men standing. I just think, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've allowed me to finish strong. And when I walked out of that building... I walked back to my rental car, 
no exaggeration, ministerially speaking, I sat in that car for probably 30 minutes, overwhelmed and thankful for the people who prayed and supported us through that journey. You need those people in your life. Paul had Epaphras. He was a faithful prayer warrior. Number five, number five, find ministry partners. Introduce you to the person of Luke. Luke was a faithful ministry partner. He was a physician, the Bible says here. A physician, he could have made lots of money in private practice, but what did he do? Wasn't private practice, he was serving alongside Paul in ministry. It wasn't about the money, it was about serving. And Paul had Luke in his life. Who do you have in your life who's a faithful ministry partner to you? Who's helping you carry out the work of God in your life and so you can do all that God wants you to do? You need those faithful ministry partners. Paul had Luke. What about you? You say, well, I'm not a doctor. I don't make a lot of money. Here's the good news. Seminary degree, no seminary degree. Wealthy, poor. Educated, not educated. Don't ever limit whom God wants to use in this life. He uses all of us if we'll surrender our lives to him, but faithful ministry partners. Number six, face spiritual reality. He gives us a word here about the person of Demas. You have to go over to 2 Timothy 4 and understand at this point Demas was serving with Paul, but you have to understand about Demas there was a period in Demas' life, what happened? Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, Demas, because he fell in love with this present world, is no longer serving Jesus or with us. He's walked away. That was a spiritual reality for Paul. Demas, the very one who had been serving with us, the enemy tempted him to fall in love with this world, and Demas did, and he walked away often wonder about Demas, maybe at night looking up into the starry sky, time slipping by, did Demas ever say, why did I walk away from serving Jesus? Why did I walk away from serving with Paul? Lord, why did I give in to the temptation to fall in love with this world? Not everyone who starts well finishes well. That's the story of Demas. Number seven, recognize special servants. As you look at this text, Paul goes on to talk about this lady. He says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. We don't know a lot about Nympha. We just know she was a lady. Churches in those days didn't have buildings like this. They were meeting in houses. He says, greet Nympha, a special servant, behind-the-scenes servant. Church, I hope we'll take the time. Again, we get to serve on the platform and lights and all those things like that. But this wouldn't be possible without many, many special servants in this church who are faithful to Jesus and who serve the Lord Jesus Christ behind the scenes. Let's thank God for the special servants in his church that we get to do what we do. Praise be to the Lord. Number eight, embrace God's vision. As you look at this text about the church that meets in your house, you have to understand when you look at the life and ministry of the Apostle Paul, he preached the gospel in prisons, he preached the gospel in public places, he preached the gospel in houses. Never limit the gospel. We come in here on Sundays to be taught and to be fed and to be inspired and to be challenged. Let's leave this place with the desire to share the gospel wherever the Lord puts us to embrace his vision for us. 
And then number nine, encourage God's leaders. We come to the end of this, and what does he say? He talks about Archippus, who is that? That's Philemon's son. He was also a pastor, fellow soldier. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received from the Lord. Understand this. Ministry is a calling. Ministry is hard. It's not easy. But we need to encourage one another. In ministry, for those who serve, why are we so quick to criticize and so slow to encourage? And what does Paul say here? He says, Say to Archippus that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Be faithful to Jesus. Finish strong. Time is out. Slips by. Are you going to finish strong in your life? The 95th verse of Colossians. How does Paul finish? Can you imagine being the secretary for Paul? The Holy Spirit is speaking into my life, so I want you to take this pen and parchment. I want you to write what the Lord is teaching me. Can you imagine having that assignment? He's hearing from the Lord. You write it down. The 95th verse of Colossians, Paul takes a little shift. And what does he do? He says to the, it's probably a secretary, uh, hey, the pen, put it in my hand. What did Paul say? I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. The secretary is not writing now. Paul is writing now. He's got the pen in his hand. And what does he say? How does he finish? These words, remember my chains. Grace be with you. Why did he say that? Remember my chains. I believe this is what Paul was saying. Remember my chains because there is no life circumstance that can keep you from doing the will of God, sharing the gospel, and finishing strong. Even chains cannot do that. Remember my chains. Even in prison, God has been using me to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Same is true as your life and my life. Nothing under God's leadership and sovereignty can keep us from fulfilling his will for us to share Christ with other people. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Paul is saying, if you're going to finish well, it's going to be because of the grace of God in your life. Grace be with you. Finish strong. Let's pray together. Now, in the room, those who are watching, are you going to finish well? And I plead with you today, if you're going to finish well, you need to say, give me Jesus. You need to fix your eyes on him. And so we challenge you today, if you're here, child, student, adult, you need to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to him today. Time's passing by. You don't know where the finish line is at. Don't delay, don't procrastinate, don't put it off. Surrender everything to Jesus this morning. You need to be baptized, obey the leadership of Christ. You don't know where the finish line is at. You need to join the fellowship of this church. It's clear God wants you to be a part of this church family. There's no debate about that. You know it, your family knows it, your mate knows it. Obey the leadership of God. And then maybe you, like Paul, you, there's areas in your life that 
you don't want to come to eternity with a spirit of unforgiveness and you need to get some things right. You need to serve Christ. You need to make a commitment to say, God, with your grace, I want to finish strong. Time's running out. Time is passing. Finish strong. And then maybe you've been trying to live the Christian life just kind of solo on your own. You need to get connected to connect groups and other Bible studies and the fellowship of this church and to realize God has not called you to do this alone. He's called you to do it with other believers around you. If you're going to finish strong, you need people in your life. Finish strong. Give me Jesus. In this invitation here in the room, we're going to be here in the front. Prayer warriors are going to be here. Our pastoral team will be here. Those who are watching online, you see an email address. You can respond to us. That email address, even the social platforms that you're watching on, you can communicate to us. And we will help you follow Jesus in your life. We'll help you finish strong. Father, thank you for grace. Thank you for Jesus. Give us Jesus today, we pray. The glory will go to you. You'll change our lives and help us to finish strong is my prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Give me Jesus. You come today as we sing together.